This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Can we just watch the news while we eat our dinner and not be affected? Can we just see bullets flying in the news and scoop out some more mashed potatoes? Now, do we just see the lost and know, well, yeah, they need the gospel, and, and, but we don't feel what it feels like for them to be lonely. We don't feel what it feels like to be lost. We don't feel what it feels like to have no purpose. We don't feel what it feels like to have no hope. See, do we just see the lost and coldly file them, oh yeah, okay, they're under the category of unbeliever. And then we give them the gospel with a sense of duty that we have no more compassion than if we were just sitting down and paying our water bill. Or are we people of compassion that not only see the lost, but we're rocked to our core with the feeling of their hopelessness, their lostness, and their feeling of being petrified of the grave. The, The lost can tell They can tell when you're giving them the gospel with about the same passion as you're sitting down writing your water bill. Because Boaz was a man of compassion. He was rocked to his core over Ruth's need. And we saw how Boaz then, he sprung into action. He provided Ruth with comforting security when he called her my daughter in verse eight. Boaz, he he flew to her and he provided her with comforting care when he told her, don't leave the fields, in verse eight, stay in my fields. Boaz provided for Ruth, he he said, here's the most productive field among my fields, this one. You work in the same field everybody else working in verse eight. And not only just anywhere in that field, but he gave her the most advantageous position. And when he says, stay right there by my maidens, verse eight, he provided protection for her. When he told her, he said, I warned the young man, the, the young men, they won't touch you, verse nine. And he provided her with water for her thirst. In verse nine, he says, go drink from that water. Those young men are carrying it for you. And then we saw in our last study that Boaz also was a man of prayer who not only knew his God, but he called on his God 
and he prayed for his reapers there. In verse four, he says, came for the reapers, and he says, the Lord be with you. That's a prayer. The Lord be with you. And they said, the Lord bless thee. He's a man of prayer when he prayed for Ruth. Verse 12, he says, the Lord recompense thy work. Full reward be given thee from the Lord. That's prayer. See? We saw last time how a man of prayer knows the three levels of increasing intensity in prayer. The first level of intensity, asking or requesting. The second level of intensity, seeking. Seeking the the one who's gonna answer the prayer, the Lord Jesus Christ. The third level of intensity, knocking. Removing all the barriers that stand in the way of prayer. As a man of prayer, he prayed with intensity. And then we also saw a man of prayer prays with consistency. He doesn't give up. He doesn't say, well, yeah, I, I used to do that, but I don't do that anymore. No, he keeps on going. And then we saw last time how a man of prayer prays with expectancy. He's expecting from God. Not a rock, not a scorpion, not a snake, but he's expecting bread, fish, egg. And Boaz was a man of prayer. And because Boaz was a man of prayer because Boaz was a child of God. And as a child of God, Boaz prayed. You know God as children. And those are the ones who should pray. And sometimes I think of God in heaven and some trouble has happened and, and God's walking around saying, where are my children? Why aren't my children praying to me? How come I don't hear them praying to me? I'm supposed to hear my children praying to me. What's wrong here? What's wrong with this picture, he says to his angels. My, my children aren't praying. See, Boaz was one child of God that God the Father heard from often. And he didn't have to say, where's Boaz? You know, why isn't Boaz praying to me? I'm supposed to hear from Boaz. What's he doing that, Boaz? God didn't say that about Boaz because Boaz was always praying. And every time God heard Boaz pray, he could say, uh, he, God, God could say about Boaz, that's my child, Boaz. There he is, true to form. He's praying to me. I hear him again. I got a wonderful child in Boaz. Now, when we look at verse four, where it says, then said Boaz unto Ruth, hearest thou not my daughter? If we could look on the face of Boaz when he said these words, now hearest thou not my daughter? What would we see? I wonder what we'd see. If we could just look on the face of Boaz here, I'll bet you we could see a smile on his face. We can see a smile on Boaz's face. Why? Because if we were to ask Boaz, Boaz, what do you consider to be the greatest activity that you can do in your life? What is it, Boaz? Boaz, what activity makes you the happiest in life? Boaz, what activity gives you the greatest satisfaction in life? You know what Boaz would not say? My greatest activity is business. He wouldn't say that. Boaz would not say, you know, when I'm building my business and it's getting bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. It brings me so much happiness, so much satisfaction, so much fulfillment in life. That's not Boaz. He wouldn't say that. What Boaz would say is that the greatest activity that I can do in life, the activity that brings me the most happiness, the most satisfaction, the most fulfillment is to save souls. That's what he would say. That's why if we could see the face of Boaz in verse eight when he's speaking to Ruth, we would see on his face a smile of happiness, satisfaction, and fulfillment. That's why for Brother Dave here, he is happy when he's out there preaching the gospel, even if he does get hit on the head with a salt shaker. They got more staples. (laughs) Boaz 
was just like David Brainard. David Brainard, the American missionary to the native Indians here, said these words. And, and he lived kind of a rough life. I mean, in the sense that, you know, he, he traveled around on a horse all the time. But he said this, I don't care where I live. And I don't care how I live so long as I gain souls for Christ. That was his greatest satisfaction, happiness in life, gain souls for Christ. When Boaz saw the outcast Ruth, more than anything else, he wanted to win her more for Jehovah Jesus. He wanted her to go on in her direction Godward. He wanted to help her gain a deeper love, a deeper devotion for Jehovah Jesus. And when Boaz saw the outcast Ruth, Boaz flew into action because Boaz had a God-given concern for the lost. And that concern was he wanted to bring the lost to God. It was the ultimate happiness. It was the fulfillment. It was the satisfaction for Boaz. And that's what pushed Paul's button also. That's what brought Paul the ultimate happiness, the ultimate fulfillment, the ultimate satisfaction in life was to bring especially lost Jewish people to God. And Romans 10.1 says that about Paul's heart when he says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He might as well have said, my ultimate happiness, my ultimate fulfillment, my ultimate joy in life is to bring lost Israel to God that they might be saved. That was the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ, as, he, as it says about him in, in Hebrews 12 too, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, set down on the right hand of God. What joy? What is the joy that was set before him? Hebrews 2.10, in bringing many sons to glory. That was the joy. See, when Boaz saw the outcast Ruth, Boaz saw a person in great need, and he immediately went to his foreman to find out about this needy soul. And then Boaz flew into action. Why? He had a passion for soul. He had a passion for souls. That was Boaz. And what do you think when I say a passion for souls? What, do you what goes through your mind when you think soul winning? I mean, it, you know, it, it's wrong to think that soul winning is reserved for just those believers who have a special gift or a special calling from God to be evangelists. You know, oh, there, there hasn't been many, very many salvations here, but uh, uh, but uh, Billy Graham crusade will be coming and then we'll see something happen. No, a passion for souls is that that's what drives soul winning. It's what God wants to be as the norm for every Christian. See, what we see in verse five here, when it says, then said Boaz unto a servant that was said over his reapers, whose damsel is this, is a Boaz who was on the lookout. He was on the lookout for needy souls because Boaz had a passion for souls. See, and like Boaz, God wants us to be on the lookout for needy souls because God wants us to have a passion for souls. And what we see in verses six and seven here starts by saying, then the servant that was set over, the reapers answered and said, on and on. And then what we see in verse 11, and Boaz answered and said unto her, it hath been fully showed me. Well, why? How, how come it was fully showed me? Because I fully asked. I fully wanted to know. 
I fully dragged it out. I, I was not happy until I fully knew he was on the lookout. This is a Boaz who took time to find out the details about needy souls because Boaz had a passion for souls and a passion for souls means finding out the details about needy souls. Like Boaz, God wants us to take time to find out the details about needy souls because God wants us to have a passion for souls. And this passion for souls is found in every believer who is close to Jehovah Jesus. See, this passion for soul, it can be seen in Paul. Paul had a passion for souls, and Paul revealed his passion for souls when he spoke about his own Jewish people. And please turn to this in Romans 9. First five verses in Romans 9, Romans chapter 9. Romans 9. So I'm going to start speaking when I, when I, when I start hearing the, the turning of pages and then hear it stop. So if you don't want to have to eat that dinner that you brought with you today, <laughs> Romans chapter 9, verse 1 through 5. Romans chapter 9, verse 1 through 5. So here's, here, here's Paul. Paul, reveal to us your passion for souls. Lay it on us, Paul. Tell us about your passion for souls. Romans 9.1. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, service of God, the promises, whose are the fathers, and as who concerning the flesh, Christ came, who's over all, God bless forever, amen. It's very important to see in these verses that these verses here in Romans 9, 1 through 5, they come right after Romans 8. And, and why that's important is because Romans 8 is the Holy Spirit chapter in the book of Romans the Holy Spirit is spoken of more in Romans 8 than all the rest of Romans put together. No other chapter speaks so much about the Holy Spirit than Romans 8, which means that Romans 8 is the heart of God. Romans 9 is the heart throb of God. And so Paul tells us that he has a real passion for souls, and he makes four statements in this Romans 9.1 here, where he gives us these four reasons why he has a real passion for soul, why anybody who has a real passion for soul will have this as well. See, many people say uh, that they have a passion for souls. Many people say, I have a passion for soul. They're liars because they don't have a real passion for souls. See, in these four statements in Romans 9.1, Paul explains what it means to have a real passion for souls. And these four statements in Romans 9.1 are simply in the words, the truth, first, in Christ, second, my conscience also bearing me witness, third, and in the Holy Ghost, fourth. Now, let's consider these. First, the truth. Paul says that he has a real passion for souls because he says in verse one that it is the truth. He said, I say the truth, I lie not. I say the truth in Romans 9.1 means that he's telling the truth. Just like the song said, I'm just telling the truth. 
about having a passion for lost souls. I say the truth in Christ in Romans 9.1 means he's not lying about having a passion for souls. I say the truth in, in Romans 9.1 means that he's not faking a passion for souls. He's not pretending to have a passion for souls. I say the truth in Romans 9.1 means that Boaz had a real passion for souls. He didn't have a fake passion for souls. He wasn't, he wasn't pretending to have a passion for souls. He had a true passion for souls. Second, in Christ. In Christ, Paul says he has a real passion for souls because in verse one, he said, in Christ, which means that the closer he gets to Christ, the stronger is Paul's passion for souls. I speak the truth in Christ. In Christ, in Romans 9.1, means that I am in Christ and therefore I have a passion for souls. So in Christ, in Romans 9.1, means that if a person is really in Christ, then he will have a passion for souls. See, in Christ, in Romans 9.1, means that if a person does not have a passion for souls, then it's time for that person to ask the question, am I really in Christ? Am I really in Christ? God knows everyone's heart here today. But if there is a lost person today, you know the most wonderful thing can be? This can be the last day of being lost. It can be. Today can be the last day of being lost and the first day of being found or saved. It can be. In Christ, in Romans 9.1, means that no one can be in Christ or be a real Christian without a passion for lost souls. In Christ, in Romans 9.1, means that if any of us here today does not have a real passion for souls, then it's time to ask the question, am I really in Christ? I mean, when was the last time I spoke to a lost soul trying to win them for the Savior? Am I really in Christ? See, in Christ, in Romans 9.1, means that the closer Boaz got to Jehovah Jesus, the more Boaz had a passion for souls. Third, he says, my conscience. He speaks about his conscience. He says, my conscience also bearing me witness. See, Paul says he has a real passion for souls because that passion originates in the conscience. My conscience also bearing me witness in Romans 9.1 means that he feels responsible in his conscience to have a passion for souls. See, my conscience also bearing me witness in Romans 9.1 means that he feels guilty in his conscience if he does not have a passion for souls. See, my conscience also bearing me witness in Romans 9.1 means that a true Christian feels responsible in his conscience to win souls for his Savior, to win souls that he encounters every day for his Savior. All men have a guilty conscience if they lie, cheat, steal, or murder. But only a true Christian has a guilty conscience if he does not have a passion for souls that drives him to seek to win the loss for his Savior. My conscience also bearing me witness in Romans 9.1 means that a true Christian feels guilty if he has not tried to win souls that he encounters for the Lord. See, my conscience also bearing me witness in Romans 9.1 means that Boaz felt responsible in his conscience to have a passion for lost Ruth. See, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy, my conscience also bearing me witness in Romans 9.1 means that Boaz felt guilty if he didn't have a passion for souls. Fourth, in the Holy Ghost. 
in the Holy Ghost. Paul says that he has a real passion for souls because the Holy Ghost makes real to him the desperate condition of the lost. My conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost. My conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost in Romans 9.1 means that the Holy Spirit witnesses with our conscience what's going on in the heart of God. See, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost in Romans 9.1 means that the Holy Spirit makes us know in our spirit what's going on in the heart of God. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost in Romans 9.1 means that the Holy Spirit makes sure that the heartthrobs of God are felt in us. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost in Romans 9.1 means that the Holy Spirit makes sure that our concern for the lost is not a cold theological doctrine, but it's a deep passion that rocks us to the core. The Holy Spirit making the desperate condition of the lost real, and, and that's what he does. That was so important for General Booth, who founded the Salvation Army, that he said for his candidates that he was training, I wish I could send all of my candidates to hell for 24 hours. That would make them qualified to preach the gospel because then they would have a real concern for the lost. See, my conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost in Romans 9.1 means that the Holy Spirit made sure that the heartthrobs of God for the lost Jewish people were felt in the heart of Paul. See, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost in Romans 9.1 means that the Holy Spirit made sure that the heartthrob of God for lost Ruth was felt in the heart of Boaz. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost in Romans 9.1 means that the Holy Spirit makes sure that the heartthrobs of God for the lost are felt in our hearts. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost in Romans 9.1 means that the Holy Spirit made sure that the heart throbs of God for Ruth's desperate condition were felt by Boaz, and the Holy Spirit made sure that Ruth's desperate condition rocked Boaz to his core. That's what it means to have a real passion for souls. A real passion for souls. That's what it means for Boaz to have a real passion for souls. But Boaz not only had a real passion for souls, when you look there at the next verse of Romans 9, verse 2, Paul said that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Speaking of the heaviness, speaking of the sorrow in his heart, Paul uses these words, great and continual. See, those words, great and continual, in Romans 9, 2, they mean that the heaviness that he was feeling, the sorrow that he was feeling for the lost Jewish people, it was not stagnant. Those words, great and continual, in Romans 9, 2, means that the heaviness and the sorrow for the lost Jewish people was growing with time in Paul. Those words, great and continual, in Romans 9, 2, means that the heaviness and the sorrow for the lost Jewish people was increasing in intensity that I have great heaviness and sorrow in my heart, in Romans 9.2, means that the intensity of the heaviness and the sorrow was increasing, and the, this intensity was increasing for the Jewish people. So that finally, Paul could say, I can't stand it any longer. 
It's reached its crescendo in Romans 9.3. I could wish myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.